Aerospace Unplugged. Hello, and welcome back to Aerospace Unplugged, your behind-the-scenes look into all things aerospace. I'm your host, Carrie Sinclair, and today we're heating things up and then cooling them down with thermal barrier coatings. Joining me to discuss these crucial systems and the adaptations we're making in the market is Leah Kiesel, Senior Director of Offering Management. Leah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, so Leah, your background is quite unique in that you've made a full circle transition in your career. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your work, how you started, how you made it where you are today? Sure. So I've been working in the aerospace industry for more than 24 years uh, with a diverse background in engineering, uh, operations, supply chain materials management, um, and as a business leader. Um, I've been with Honeywell for 17 years, uh, where I started my career in 1996 as a manufacturing engineer, working on the machining and thermal barrier coating processes for jet engine high-pressure turbine airfoils, and that consists of blades and nozzles. And now I have the privilege to lead a coating service business applying thermal barrier coatings for customers globally. So it is ironic that I started my career working with coded components, and now I'm doing that again 20 plus years later. That's really cool. I'm, I'm actually really excited to learn about this topic because I don't know much about it. So thanks for your expertise. Can you just give us an overall explanation on the purpose and use of thermal barrier coatings? Absolutely. Uh, so this is a gas. Uh, this is about gas turbine engines, including jet engines, and that fireball that's created once you ignite fuel. Uh, that fireball can cause parts to reach well over 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, where most metals are molten at this kind of temperature. Uh, so TBCs are, are are put on top of uh, metal components to keep them from getting too hot. A TBC is is a highly engineered ceramic material. In a way, uh, TBCs are a lot like ceramic tiles uh, that were on the belly of the space shuttle um, that most of us are familiar with. But TBCs are much thinner and they have to last thousands of hours. That is impressive. So given the importance of these coatings, I had imagine Honeywell's history plays a large part in the development. Can you provide some of the history behind the creation of thermal barrier coatings? Sure. So the first TBC was introduced uh, by Pratt Whitney in 1963 um, on the exhaust nozzle liner of the SR-71 Blackbird. So this helped maintain uh, Mach 3 flight without melting the liner when in full afterburners. But that TBC had a lot of shortcomings. Uh, so, so while it did eventually buy its way onto the JT-80 engine, which is another Pratt & Whitney engine for the Boeing 727, as a patch to fix a problem, it didn't buy its way onto other products. So the first breakthrough was in 1987. Um, so this was over 25 years ago, where millions of dollars were invested um, by NASA, the Department of Defense, Department of Energy, coding suppliers, universities, engine manufacturers, and us. We got there first. It wasn't just incremental improvement. It was, a dr- it was dramatic in every technical aspect. The life, the conductivity, the toughness, the face stability of the coding, everything. Nothing else came close. And it was considered such a breakthrough that the U.S. Patent Office deemed it as vital to national security and classified the technology under the Invention Secrecy Act of 1951. So just a little history there. It wasn't until 10 years later that it was declassified. And at this point, Honeywell licensed it. 
And because its capability was so superior, it was widely adopted by the industry. It's now a more than 20 million parts worldwide and counting. Wow. So this is really vital to the use or wear and tear of the engine, right? What are some possible uses and purposes for these systems? Sure. So, so not many things get as hot as the inside of a jet engine or, uh, or expected to sustain those kinds of temperatures for thousands of hours. So you're not going to see TBCs, um, thermal barrier coatings, used in applications that are below about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but there is a wide variety and, and high volume. Gas turbine engines, including jet engines, are, are used in a, in a large variety of applications in aerospace, as well as marine applications, oil and gas production, as well as power generation. So in aerospace, gas turbines can provide propulsive power, like the main engines for fighter jets, commercial airliners, business jets, turboprop planes, helicopters, and drones. And every one of these types of aircraft, there's an auxiliary power unit or an APU. So this APU is typically a smaller jet engine that's been hooked up to an electrical generator and a pump to provide electricity, hydraulic power, and air conditioning to aircrafts. So APUs can, can be just as important as the main engine. Um, some people might remember the, that plane that had to land in the Hudson River back in 2009 uh, shortly after the U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off, um, they struck a, a flock of geese, which caused both the main engines to shut down. Um, so it, it was a Honeywell APU that restored that electrical and hydraulic power to the aircraft. So the pilot, uh, as we all know, as Sully Sullenberger, could watertight the aircraft and maneuver into the Hudson River. So on the aerospace side, there are a lot of applications. Um, there are more than 20,000 commercial aircraft and 13,000 military aircraft in operation around the world. And each of those have anywhere from two to four engines plus the APU. Each of those has anywhere from 40 to 200 parts with a thermal barrier coating on it. Wow. What kind of temperatures are we talking about? So temperatures operate greater than 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in these engines. These aerospace engines do tend to range in a size from the size of a lawnmower to the size of a big truck. Um, in marine and oil and gas and paragen, things get much harder too. So within these engines that I have just mentioned, uh, they do these components do operate in hot, harsh conditions uh, with temperatures greater than 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, we also have bigger gas turbines that are used providing electrical power and pumping power for offshore oil rigs, uh, backup power for hospitals and other critical infrastructure as well as electrical power and main propulsion uh, and thrust for giant cruise ships and destroyer cruisers and other military ships. So I, I've said a lot there, um, but there's a lot of jet engine and land-based turbine engine applications where we have parts that operate in these hot, harsh conditions, as I had mentioned earlier. Okay. So what makes Honeywell stand out in this field? Honeywell's a, a fantastic company, um, and, and you know, we're constantly looking at ways in terms of inventing new materials, and inventing a new material isn't easy for anyone. Uh, to give perspective, it took about 25 years to develop something better than that first coating that was used on the SR-71 that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so an advantage we have, which really helps us stand out, is that we are both an engine company as well as a coating company. That's important. You know, we know engines and we know engine trade-offs deeply. And we know coatings and their trade-offs just as deeply. That gives us a huge advantage over coating suppliers that don't make engines 
as well as the advantage um, over engine suppliers that don't make coatings. So it's pretty unique. Our engine experts and coating experts get to work together collaboratively, um, and, and that's huge. And I think it has paid off again. So it's been about 25 years since Honeywell did create the first generation thermal barrier coating, um, the one that was declassified recently. And I think we've done it again. Our newest thermal barrier coating, which we call our next-gen lower conductivity thermal barrier coating, has 33% lower thermal conductivity and 300 degrees higher temperature capability and 2x higher toughness. So we're really excited about this. Others out there have only one or two of these attributes at a time. So we are the only ones um, that have all of, all of them at the same time. So there are four key key ways that a customer can get value from that. So the first two ways um, that they can take advantage of the conductivity benefit, which doesn't require a major redesign, um, because of the lower conductivity of our coating, if they simply switch out our new thermal barrier coating, the parts will run, will run cooler in the engine. If the parts are cooler, they can either switch to a less expensive alloy or they can run the parts longer, as much as 50% longer. So it really depends how the customer wants to, to utilize this new technology. Conversely, because of higher temperature capability of our new uh, thermal barrier coating, if they redesign their, their engines to take advantage of that, they can either push the throttle forward, so to speak, to get as much as 10% more power um, out of that same engine, or they can make it up to 1% more fuel efficient, which could save billions of gallons of uh, fuel per year for them as well. So there are lots of advantages. So it sounds like they can save fuel or they could save uh, in expense of the engine, the alloy. Correct. So there's a couple different ways they can use those savings. Okay. Yep. There's a couple different ways they can apply the coating to, to get the benefit that they desire. Very cool. So what are some of the ways they can apply the coating or um, like what are the different techniques and things like that? So regarding that manufacturing question, uh, you know, depending on the size of the part and how it will be used, there are two ways uh, thermal barrier coatings can be applied. Uh, electron beam physical vapor deposition, or EBPVD, and uh, an air plasma spray, or APS. So, so for EBPVD, an ingot made of the right chemistry gets heated up by a very powerful electron beam generator. And this electron beam heats the surface of the ingot well above 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit to transform it into a gas. From there, the gas condenses onto the part, kind of like fog um, condensing on, on your car windows, as an example. As it condenses and cools, the individual atoms and molecules um, organize into an ideal crystal structure. Um, the process is slow. It can take 30 minutes to an hour just to get the thickness of a piece of paper on, on these airplane components when you're applying an EBPVD coating. But those crystals and the chemistry of those crystals are very advantageous for small to medium-sized parts. So as for air plasma spray, um, air plasma spray is the other way to form TBCs or thermal barrier coatings. Instead of an ingot, um, you have a finely ground powder of the same chemistry. That, that powder is then injected into a flame of plasma torch, which can reach even higher temperatures than EBPVD. Uh, so as the powder passes through, it, it's an individual powder particle becomes a tiny little molten drop that then splats onto the part and freezes into place to form the thermal barrier coating. 
So a slightly, it, it's, it's, a, it's a different approach. And as you can imagine, the interior structure of an air plasma spray TBC with millions of tiny splats is quite different than an EBPVD thermal barrier coating with millions of tiny crystals. How each of these perform can be quite different and engine designers take advantage of those differences in many ways, depending upon what the need is from the thermal barrier coating. Because air plasma spray TBCs are mostly used on combustor parts, and larger airfoils, and EBPVD TBCs are mostly used on medium and small airfoils, just to clarify. Wow, that was a lot of information. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what is the process like in creating this product? Okay. I think innovation-wise, we've done a lot in the past few years. So we have taken the chemistry for EBPVD lower conductivity thermal barrier coatings and applied it in a powder form. So we, we have essentially created a next generation air plasma spray coating that offers the following attributes. 20% lower conductivity, it's high phase stable at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit, and then 10 to 20% improved on erosion repaired um, compared to uh, the standard thermal barrier coating. Uh, so we are now offering both next generation EBPVD and aeroplasma spray thermal barrier coatings to customers. So we have essentially developed a next generation coatings for two thermal barrier applications, which consists of EBPVD and aeroplasma spray, which is APS. Okay. And what do you think's next? What's the future look like? Great question. So um, since the, the late 1940s, the rate of improvement uh, on fuel efficiency has been about 7% per decade. So the way to get there or to get higher thrust is to run hotter and harder, is to have that engine run hotter and hotter. That's the nature of the Brayton cycle. So over the decades, engineers have slowly, you know, but surely developed better designs and invented new materials to enable even hotter engine temperatures. So these days, engines now run about 500 degrees hotter than, let's say, the World War II era gas turbine engines. Uh, so that's a lot of evolving over time. But more evolution is necessary. Engines are now running so hot that airborne dust and sand particulates in the air are beginning to affect uh, engines in a, in a huge way. So as a result, in arid regions like the Middle East, engines need service more often, actually, because of the particulates in the air. So this is uh, specifically, I'm going to get a little bit more technical here. Specifically, it's the calcium, magnesium, aluminum, and silicon oxides in the airborne particulates that are causing the problem. Uh, the industry and academia call this CMAS for short. I think of it more of sand, right? Um, but since about 75% of the Earth's crust is made of CMAS, um, it, it's, it's a bit of a inescapable problem that's only going to affect more engines and more regions throughout the world as engines of the future get even hotter. So this is a big problem that's out there right now, especially as engines have evolved over time to run hotter and hotter. So, so the next thing we've been working on is what we, are, what we call a CMAS resistant coating to address this problem. It's, it's a hard problem that NASA, academia, engine OEMs, and many others have been working on for the last 15 years with limited success. But besides our new TBCs, I do think we have something very exciting here, too, from, from a CMAS-resistant coating perspective. Our engineers and scientists are located in the Arizona desert, uh, for example, which has provided unique insights. So we've been working on a number of different CMAS mitigation approaches, and uh, four or five of them have been showing significant benefits and they're on the cusp of engine testing. So the next few years are gonna be very exciting as we evolve this technology. That's really cool. 
What do you think the response will be from the airlines? Like, what kind of difference will this technology make for them? You know, the airlines have been quite re- receptive since we launched this business at Honeywell, this coatings business, which was in late uh, 2016, early 2017. They want to keep their engines on wing for as long as, as possible and, and have as little maintenance and maintenance cost as possible. But the maintenance and upkeep of of the engines is largely the responsibility of the engine OEMs. Um, So we're mainly working with the engine OEMs and also talking to the airliners, but mainly working with the engine OEMs on our new technology. And the engine OEMs have been receptive too. They are testing several of our technologies already, and we have more planned uh, in 2021. So we're seeing great interest and it's going to be exciting over the next few years, um, working with the aerospace large jet engine OEM makers, as well as the industrial gas turbine engine makers too. So Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. One thing that we always ask our guests at the end of the show, since we're aerospace unplugged, is how do you unplug at the end of the day? That is a fantastic question. When I'm not thinking about coatings, uh, I typically unplug and spend a, a lot of time with my family. And I also try and unplug and uh, hit the beautiful Arizona desert trails for a little hiking. Well, very cool. All right. Well, stay safe and thank you for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, I'm your host, Carrie Sinclair, and this is Aerospace Unplugged. For more information on thermal barrier coatings, please visit us online at aerospace.honeywell.com. Until next time, safe travels. This episode was edited by Mircha Pizai and produced by Chloe Dake.